You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Welcome to this episode of Random Fit, where I, myself, Ken Miller, am co-host with my friend and associate, Miss Wendy Batts. Wendy, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm doing awesome, especially now that we're going to talk about something that uh, I have incorporated into my lifestyle, to put it, I guess, lightly, um, <laughs> for the last year. So uh, I am new, uh, relatively speaking, to the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And um, I'm surprised we actually haven't had a podcast on this before. But when it comes to this sport, you know, it's funny, Wendy, because you and I, we within the National Academy of Sports Medicine, we have friends and associates, friends that, you know, who are people that we work with that actually do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It was, and I mean, and I think you know who the players are that we're talking about, right? <laughs> with Mike and Nate and Prentice and these guys. And I think now it's Rick, Rick Ritchie, for those of you that listen to his podcast on the NASM network. Um, you know, when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, this is one of those things where, I mean, when you talk about it, you actually find out there's other people that have done it or are doing it. So, um, and I think that's what actually contributes to the fact that it's one of the, the biggest or the fastest growing martial arts in the U.S. as well as the world. No, I, th I think it's great. And I know like in previous episodes, we talked about tennis, which is something that I'm involved in. So when you were talking about what you were doing, I'm like, well, dude, we got to we got to spread the love here. And, you know, I know that I know the basics because I know that I watch UFC and I know that it's mixed martial arts. So there is a part of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu inside of what they're doing. And, you know, when they get on the ground, but when you're really looking at it alone and and why it's growing in popularity and why it's probably one of those things that's going to be around forever is the number one core objective to that is survival. And so we all know that. I mean, I know you women do it, men do it, children do it. I think it's something that on a it's great for self-defense. So it's not just something that you're going to be on television and see if you're going to get you know cauliflower ear because you were dragged along a mat. It's more of like understanding that there is a purpose, there's a technique, there's specific forms that, you know, in positions you need to get in that can, you can tell me all about because I really don't know anything well, other than the late night, pay the money and watch, watch people fight and get all bloody and get a belt. Yeah. Well, I mean, so if you bring up, um, uh, UFC or ultimate fight, ultimate fighting championship, the, the, one of the reasons why Brazilian jiu-jitsu has, has, um, grown as a sport um, not just as a martial art, but as a sport. There's, I mean, there's competitions all over the world, uh, locally, um, and you know, just go online and you'll find something that's happening within 25, 35 miles of you any given weekend. So, when it comes to um, the UFC, since you since you brought that up, Wendy, one of the reasons why it's gained some popular or gained a lot of popularity within the martial arts, it's actually one of those techniques that. To, in today's martial arts, you have to learn it because most of the most of the competition, the fights wind up on the ground and there's no better technique for taking the offensive or actually being on the defensive than incorporating Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And since I started a year ago now, it's it has been one of those things. Now, now I pay closer attention when I do watch a fight, not just for the striking, 
But when they're on the ground and you start to see and starting to recognize some of the tactics that they're using from an offensive and a defensive standpoint. So it's more than just guys just pummeling uh, guys or girls pummeling each other on the mat. There is there is some strategy and, and uh, jujitsu does. It does offer a lot of gives you an opportunity to use tactics and strategies when you're in a fight. But one of the interesting things that that and again, studying and researching um, what we're going to talk about today, as far as the the scope of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, as far as its growth, and something that I mean, we all know somebody that does it. But the the idea or the fact that within the first four UFC fights were won by Hoist Gracie, who is one of the you know one of the guys that brought this to light when it comes to. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu into the U.S. So that was his form, his technique. And what got it the attention was the fact that back in the day, and I don't know if you know this or not, Wendy, but when it comes to, when it came to the early UFC fights, there was no weight class, right? So you can get somebody who's 150 pounds fighting somebody who's 250 pounds. There were no weight classes and there were no judges in the earlier, in the earlier fights. So so do you fight to the death? Like what happens? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody submitted or passed out or, oh. or whatever. Somebody got knocked out, right? That, that's what it was. But I think, I think um, the, the, these three fights, they were won by um, submission. I think rear naked choke um, was one of them. So there was, there was definitely a submission um, in, 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 uh, in these fights, but to have somebody who can win this basically this 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 cage match, um, but still be smaller, right? Lighter, um, not as muscular, and still dominate. I mean, you think if you think three out of the first four years were dominated by predominantly one technique, right? This wasn't a ground and pound. It wasn't, you know, striking, standing up, boxing, Muay Thai, where you're kicking. Everything comes to the ground, and it was through Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they were able to win, um, or Hoist was able to win his, his matches in the, at least three of the first four fights, which got a lot of attention. And then you had these guys thinking, okay, well, if this guy, this smaller guy um, can win a match, I need to learn what he's learning. So from there on in, you have these guys learning now, actively trying to incorporate it into how they competed in mixed martial arts. So I thought that was one of the bigger, bigger things that opened the door for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when it comes to its, its recognition as far as a viable form of not just self-defense, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but as a way, you know, since you brought up UFC as a, as a viable technique to actually win fights. And, and again, if that's how you're getting beat, you had to learn how to defend it, which is, I think, a lot of the intention behind why these mixed martial artists were learning that form. Well, I know that, you know, if you ever have watched a UFC fight or, or listened to the commentary, like, you know, the, the Gracie family, the Gracie Academy, you hear that over and over again. And if I'm not mistaken, Ken, I thought, you know, when you and I were discussing this, wasn't it called Gracie Jiu-Jitsu for a while before Brazilian? Is that right? Well, it's, it, it, um, Jiu-Jitsu originally came from Japan. Basically, it's, you know, as I was reading about it, it was the form of close combat martial arts that the samurais would use, right? 
So having traveled and gone through different iterations through Asia, China, and, and ultimately into Japan, as it's called jujitsu, um, you know, the, it, and, I, and I, it escapes me who the uh, martial arts that came over to migrated to Brazil, right? And there, as it was taught, the martial art was taught and absorbed by the Gracie family. And from there, um, you know, it, it was it was taught, but it had it did go through some iteration to where Helio Gracie, who, if you read, you know, depending on what you're reading, said that he would, you know, he wasn't as strong or as as quick as the other people that he would compete against. So he had to adapt jujitsu to complement his smaller and they say weaker size, but. Um, I read also that he wasn't as small and as weak as as some of the some of the other um, literature was saying, but he just adapted it to where somebody who was smaller, uh, maybe not as strong as an attacker who might be bigger, heavier, and stronger. It gives the smaller person, the underdog, an opportunity to survive. Right. So it was a it was a form of martial arts that actually gained. A lot of popularity because it was for the underdog it was for that smaller person and that's where a lot of it was a matter of um being a, a good solid form of self-defense so it made anybody who took on this form again gracie jiu-jitsu brazilian jiu-jitsu go hand in hand because the gracies were uh you know are in in brazil but now they have a strong presence here in the u.s as well which can, contributes to all the gracie schools so if you're driving around and you see Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're going to probably see a lot of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu or, um, <clears throat> you know, other other branches of the Gracie family that open up their own Jiu-Jitsu uh, facilities. So when you see Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and depending on who you're talking to, they are interchangeable because of its start in Brazil. But it's gone through different iterations and even different forms of martial arts to where, again, it's, it is a form of grappling. Um, but someone like myself, who I did wrestle in high school, so that's probably one of the things that helped me or attracted me to the sport to, to where it's like, oh, I get to roll around on the mat again. Oh, I get to, you know, do, you know, some of the things I would do in, in high school. Again, I was a high school wrestler. Not very good. Uh, but. <laughs> Uh, but the team I had was, they were really good. So I was like second, third tier guy. Um, but I just, you brought up cauliflower ear. I do have a little bit. So I have a little, a little, little contact with the side of my head being pushed into the mat. Um, a little bit of that in, in when I roll around for jujitsu, but not, not as much. Yeah. And, and today on, on random fit, Ken is dropping some knowledge more so, and I'm just listening because okay. I find it absolutely fascinating. A lot about the history of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and then basically where where it's going. It's actually growing so it's very popular, especially in the mar martial art world. More and more people are picking it up, and so I wanted to know the again the why's. Why is it the fastest mm -hmm. growing? Why are so many people um, really you know taking on this? But you know when you're looking at it, guys, it's something that's adopted in a discipline for everyone from kids all the way to 90 year olds there's there's some sort of of um session that you can take and so i found that to be very interesting again self-defense was like a, a huge thing so even if it's not something where you're going to want to do 
you know, professionally, or you want to, you know, continue to grow, I think having some fundamentals and basic information would be super helpful for, for any, any kind of attacker survival, like we talked about. But then I also wanted to know a little bit about its growth. And, you know, there's consistent learning, which we all need. Once mm -hmm. you learn, if you stop learning, you might as well, you're, should be dead. Like we're constantly learning and, and, you know, of course, self-protection is a big one. It's a, it's yeah. a lifestyle, same thing. There's a community of you guys that, you know, meet, that's, you know, however cool. many times a week, because, you know, if, if you start to build a strong community and you're going into, you know, whenever your sessions are each and every week, you become friends with other people. So I think it's very important oh, yeah. on a social standpoint, boost in confidence, of course. And what I found pretty interesting was it was a less concussive sport. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, just, just so you know, a little backstory on how I got involved. Um, one of the local, well, the local Brazilian jiu-jitsu facilities, um, Alameda Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, run by uh, Chelsea Burgo, uh, who's who's the who's the owner and operator of that uh, training facility. Um, I knew her as a as a gym owner. She had a personal training uh, fitness studio, just like mine. You know, just a couple miles down the road. And we we saw each other just in passing, and she tells me her new venture as far as opening up a jujitsu school, and she goes, you know, and the one thing about it is, is that you know with jujitsu there is no striking, right? So it's not like boxing or muay thai where you know someone's throwing their fist in your face or a kick to the ribs. There's no striking, which is one of those things. Again, um, you know, if I have to show up for a conference call on Monday, the last thing I want to do is explain why I have a black eye, right? So. <laughs> Um, being, you know, as old as I am, that's the last thing I need. Anything that kind of can rattle my brain, I don't need it. Nobody needs it. But the the fact that it's not concussive, I mean, every martial art and every sport really has its inherent risks, right? So anytime you move fast, there is an implement in the air. Um, you're moving limbs up, down, left to right, rotating. There's always going to be some risk for injuries. But the fact that as a martial art, there is no striking, uh, that's what got me to walk into the door the first time and the fact that it was a skill a life skill and again one of the again we mentioned ufc which is uh you know an extreme reason why somebody would learn it because that, that population is really small but i mean we, we brought up self-protection i mean you never know when there's danger coming your way but if you know some basic moves some 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 fundamental techniques that you know that if somebody you know they wrap their arms around your head or they're grabbing you you know around the waist from behind or they're they've got your leg you you know how to take care of yourself you know a couple things that you can do uh, first of all to survive right um you know just get away from the situation or handle the situation to where you have control of whatever the whatever's happening in front of you so that self-protection part is where I, you know, they have classes for um, self-defense with using the techniques from um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right, for, for women defense. But the other part of it is they have these um, no bully programs, right? So when kids, if they come across, you know, something's happening on the schoolyard, they know how to protect themselves. And it's not just about, okay, not everything's confrontational. But using your being able to use your words to defend yourself and control the situation, understanding spacing and distance to protect yourself. And if you see something coming, you know, you don't wait 
for something to happen to you to then enact. But if you can manage the situation from a distance so that nothing has, to, no physical altercation has to happen, to teach your kids or any kid how to protect themselves from that vantage point, I think is, has gained, popular, gained popularity between, between the youth. As you said, Wendy, anybody from five to 95 can take on this martial art, which is again, when you when you talk about the growth, there there's no real restrictions on who can or should learn it because it's applicable for for all ages and situations. So I think that overall, when you talk about self protection, I mean everybody needs to learn how to self you know protect themselves, and this is just one way to handle it. Because if you think how many people actually know this, but if I take the uninitiated, those that don't know. You know, they have general, okay, well, if I'm in trouble, I'm just going to punch, right? If you know what the usual response is going to be and you know how to handle it to protect yourself, manage the situation, and most importantly, just get out alive, then why wouldn't you teach your eight-year-old to do it? Or why wouldn't you want to teach, you know, your 65-year-old client to do it? That's where I think its growth is because you have so many uses for why you would need to learn this martial art. Well, and, and I think, you know, there's a couple of things that you want to think about. UFC, if you guys have heard how many people watch some of these pay-per-view fights, it's amazing. I think because of that, there are more and more families that are understanding the different types of disciplines and choosing. I know I have a seven-year-old, just turned seven, um, you, and um, and we've been really trying to get him into karate or trying to get him into jujitsu, anything to really teach him self-defense as well, because he's smaller. He's on the smaller side. He, on the other hand, is like, no, I'd rather play baseball or rather do this, yeah. that, or the other. And that's fine because we want him to be interested and in not being forced. However, I think it's something that, like you said, teaching kids at a young age is only going to help them, especially as they go through school. Um, but number one, too, in, in my opinion, and just kind of looking in again, I have never done it. I've only watched it. And, you know, you have to have a good sense of overall health, meaning it, it requires so much flexibility. There's a big cardio component, endurance, of course, and, you know, strength. And so, Ken, I don't know, you know, again, I'm not trying to dive into your personal life here, but, you know, before you go into one of your sessions, you know, based on what we always talk about, the importance of really preparing yourself for what's ahead, you know, are you going through and foam rolling and stretching or do you guys do that in classes? You know, how, how does that how does that look? Um, I'll say, you know, there is a warm up um, that we do in class and a lot of classes, you know, they'll have you run around and on the mats, you might do some bridging, um, rolling around, you know, warm up the shoulders, neck, low back, um, but then you get right into it. Right. Um, so, you know, as I've, I've taken a couple of forms of martial arts and, you know, since I was six, you know, sixth grade. Right. And, you know, there's always, you know, you're doing your jumping jacks and you get your bear crawls in there. But for me now that I'm in my fifties. I, I am foam rolling. I am taking up the hypervolt. I am doing some, I'm doing stuff on my own before I walk out the door to drive to, um, you know, to the facility. So there's a lot of things that I'm doing before I even walk out the door. And there are things that I'm doing as soon as I get home. So I am, you know, depending on the situation, I am taking out the vault. I'm taking out the roller. I'm getting in my normal. I'm doing all the recovery stuff. I mean, for, for an hour's worth of mat rolling, depending on how intense it was, 
yeah, I'm doing my, my, my movement prep. I'm also doing my cool down, but I, I will say that my workouts are a little bit different now. So I'm not, I mean, I do, you know, I do pick up the weights. I do pick up the, the dumbbells and the kettlebells and all that, but how I format it now, it's, it's a lot different to where I'm now really focusing on range of motion, compound movements, things that are more conditioning based than I had before, before I, you know, I'll do more like what we would call a horizontal load. So I do one set of push-ups and then I'd rest. And then I do another set of push-ups and I rest. Now it's more circuit based. So I'm doing my push-ups, my pull-ups, my my air squats and and doing some, you know, doing some bridges. I'm so I'm adding a little bit more core, but everything's a part of a circuit because when you're rolling, uh, you know, it's it's continuous, right? Until you know, or you're doing a drill. And that, then that's the thing about it, you know, so if I'm working on a drill to where I'm working on a technique, um, but if I have to do the same thing for my partner to where now I have to be the bad guy and put myself in a position where he has to use a certain technique on me. So you're active both ways. So if I need a drill or if my partner needs to drill, I need to be both the good guy and the bad guy. So there is no rest once you get going. So. Yeah. You yeah. know, one of the things that I, I, I read about, and, and again, when you said you're going to talk about it, I'm like, I better study up on this myself. But, you know, two things that I found fascinating was that it really does help develop critical thinking and problem yep. solving. I would have never yep. put that into and, and until you read about it and, and it makes sense. Like you don't know what's coming at you and then you're seeing a problem occur and then you critically have to think quickly on what you're going to do in that situation because it's undetermined. You don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you need to have a quick strategy in order to get yourself right. out of whatever situation. And then the second one, which definitely makes a little more sense, but I was really surprised to see it kind of, in, you know, as a component of it is how therapeutic it is. Because to me, it seems like it's just hard. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. I guess it's a good stress relief if your partner that, you know, you're well, with. I would say, I would say with that, you do have to focus. So it's not like I can be on the mat and rolling and, you know, I'm thinking about work. I'm thinking, okay, well, what am I, what's Wendy and I, what are we going to talk about on our next recording of Random Fit? No, I have to be focused. I have to be concentrating and then, you know, and just, I have to be in the moment. And I think from that vantage point, you know, because you are focused, you're in the moment, you are present all the stresses of whatever happened earlier in the day or what, what my day is going to bring. I'm not thinking about that. So that for me is the therapy part. Um, but I think too, when it comes to, you know, you have to, you do have to be a little bit Zen about it because one of the things that I've learned is that if I'm, if I'm going against somebody, I have to take what they give me. I can't try to manufacture or labor myself into a position where I have the advantage. I have to wait and see what, and I have to evaluate what the situation is before I decide, okay, this is the move I'm going to execute. So from that standpoint, there is, there is a lot, there is some cognitive component to it. It's not just rolling around and me imposing my physical will on you, but there is a lot of combination of, okay, you have the physical definitely, but from the, from the skill development, the reflex development, and actually just, just the part of it, like you have to be in the moment, you can't wander off 
you have to be able to be in the moment to, to, to do a good job, both as, again, if I'm partner drilling, being a good guy and a bad guy, I have to, I have to be there present. You can't lapse on where your mind is during, during a mat session. Yeah. And if you, and if you look it up, there are so many people that are getting more and more involved in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that some of them, I was not surprised about like Van Diesel, um, Usher, Nicholas Cage. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. But the one that I was surprised to see where if I actually had to roll around on the mat with this guy, I think I would be like a rag doll would be, was Shaq because I know that he's taking, you yeah. know, taking up um, of, of this discipline. And I, I mean, he's gigantic. I've seen him in person. I've met him in real life. He is a very, very big man. <laughs> so, um, you know, but Ken, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us, talking a lot about the history I really love listening to this kind of stuff because, again, I do have an interest of watching it, you know, watching the sport itself. Um, I do watch, like I said, UFC. My husband's really into that. So being a good wife, um, I, I try to partake in his excitement. Um, but, you know, I found it fascinating when you kind of research certain things that you knew a little bit about because now I have a really more of a, you know, understanding of the different disciplines, especially when they're all mixed together of which is which. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time out today and, and, and talking to us about it. Yeah. And I say, you know, just try it out, you know, find your local Gracie university certified training center. Um, there, you know, there's, they, they take things nice and easy again, primarily a self-defense, uh, motivation, but overall you'll learn the sport of just, it takes years to master it. So you gotta be patient, take your time, but first step is get your foot in the door and try it out. Um, for all the reasons that we discussed here on the podcast. So thank you, Wendy, for sharing your time and let me bend your ear uh, regarding <laughs> Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So for those of you listening to us here on Random Fit, thanks for listening to us on this topic of the fastest growing martial art of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, like, follow, subscribe, download, share, comment, let us know what you want us to talk about and we will do the best we can to get you that information. So until next time, on behalf of both Wendy Bats and I, Ken Miller, Take care and be well.